hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> We're at the steps of Dolores Park yet again. Yes. Enshrined in pot smoke in Doggy Doo. That's right. Doggy Doo. And I think the other thing that's really on display at Dolores Park is uh, disparity, entitlement, Ooh. and total denigration and disparity you mean like economically yeah between the haves and the have-nots between the homeless and the the tech privileged oh i can't tell homeless people apart from the privileged people i know well that's (laughs) (laughs) i mean i just i can't deal with the fashion it just is are they homeless or are they chic well that happened to me recently you know you know that i sell real estate do you yeah I'm shocked. I'm a real estate agent here in San Francisco, and you, I really can't tell anymore mm-hmm. who might have money and who doesn't. You know, the... Oh, yeah, you can't tell at all. Like, the, there's no display. It's crazy. Like, the, the Salesforce millionaire... With the hoodie. Right? Looks the same as the longtime mailman. In fact, the mailman probably looks a little more put together. Yeah. Even though his shirt is unbuttoned. How mailmen can't buy houses in the Bay Area, though, can they? Well, I, <laughs> years ago, I mean, when I was a new real estate agent, one of my first clients was this charming mailman named Henry. When he first came to my open house, now, mind you, it was a studio condo on oh, Russian okay. Hill for like $90,000. What? Um, he arrived carrying a child's porta potty because he was such he was such a scavenger frugal guy like he would pull stuff off the street yeah pulled stuff off the street resold it and i think a lot of people would have completely ignored him or asked him to please leave but i was friendly to him and he ended up doing two transactions with me oh my god in fact he showed up for the closing on the first one I'm not kidding, with a plastic bag filled with cash to the tune of $90,000. Whoa. Yes, he two bags. He mattress did, huh? He had. Oh my God. But anyway, nowadays you can't tell. Isn't that just like the Seinfeld episode where Newman, the mailman, was hoarding the <laughs> mail? Like he freaked out and didn't go to work and he had all the mail in his apartment. Oh, wow. Is I that- didn't. I didn't see that one. I may be talking out of my ass. I don't know. I just love that the guy that plays Newman. Newman, yeah, he was a mailman. He got eaten by dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Yes. Remember? Running. Yes. Yeah. This little belly. He deserved it, though. Oh. His character deserved it. Oh. Probably for being slovenly and, you know, how in the... If you're a slut or you're slovenly in the movies... You get killed first. uh, Totally. You know, it can't. (laughs) And the sluts can never run. They always fall over. Oh, oh, I can't run. Oh, I fell in a hole. Kill me now. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's pretty much uh, goes without saying, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if the slut was thinking about having sex later that very evening. Oh, yeah. Or had started having sex that evening and then was summoned out onto the front porch and went running into the dark while her lover stood on the porch shouting, Tiffany, where are you going? (laughs) Okay. So anyway, we're broadcasting from, we're recording. Yes. 
near Dolores Park, land of privilege and poverty. Yes. And we're your mockologists and hosts today. We are. We're having fun with this. But, you know, alcohol abuse or alcoholism is a serious subject. Yes, it has ruined many lives and wrought much destruction. And we don't want to make light. Well, we are making light of it. But we all know that alcohol is a serious problem. I mean, it's responsible for more deaths, really, than anything else, probably. Coronavirus? It contributes to (laughs) disease. Yeah, it's coronavirus week here in San Francisco, where everybody, actually, the handyman has a theory Mm. about the, you know, everybody's canceling school, nobody's going to work, people are working remotely, people are doing their exams online. Yeah. And the handyman was saying that he thinks it's just that we're all so tired here in the Bay Area of prosperity and this economic boom. Yes, we need to be hobbled. Now we just have this nice break. It's like uh, Christmas vacation. Let's stay home. <laughs> let's not I go. like that. Well, along with the coronavirus drama last week, I literally had nothing but drama last week with Mercury. And I know that's a bunch of hippy-dippy po- oh, pocus. Mer- Mercury in, in retrograde. retrograde mm-hmm. Yes. And I know this is like every... like white lady like crack obsession (laughs) right now that mercury in retrograde is a real thing but i don't doubt it because everything that i tried to do last week didn't happen there were multiple traffic jams my daughter was sick like i even like couldn't get out of the island to take her to the doctor because the tube was shut the crash and Mm. you know missed appointments misunderstandings I got my boss's sandwich order wrong, which oh. in his world is like a firing offense. <laughs> oh my God, my sandwich is wrong. What is his sandwich order? What's well, standing- I thought he said a club sandwich with everything but lettuce, tomato. And for I thought that was weird, a club sandwich, but I guess he said everything. Oh, he uh, said a club sandwich. Yeah, which is like everything, lettuce, tomato. But I wrote down in my notes... Club sandwich, no lettuce, tomato. Oh, dear. And boy, did I have hell to pay. Really? No, I'm kidding. He's fine. He says I should have my own show where <laughs> I'm, my, I'm, it's called It's Sunny, and I just shrug and go, I'm sorry, <laughs> throughout the whole sitcom. Uh, there's sorry. A, there's a lot to unpack there about your boss's suggestion that you have that. But you do have your own show. It's now. called the Mocktail Hour. That's right. With Cynthia. Ah. Yay. Yay. And we don't we don't care if you forgot the lettuce and tomato. <laughs> um, or if you got me a lettuce and tomato sandwich. I'd just be grateful for the sandwich myself. Right? I'm sorry that your week was so drama filled. Hey, but it started off great this week. I'm de- I'm destined to have nothing but good stuff happen. So oh, good. here we go. Let's see. I wanted to be sure and mention that we don't have a lot of rules here Mm -hmm. for people. I mean, hopefully you're listening because you are sober curious or maybe you're alcohol free. And we think all ideas are welcome. Everything's welcome. And we're here to be silly and 
irreverent and entertain ourselves and hopefully some of the people that are listening. Yeah, there's entertainment value there. And because everyone always, you know, loves a train wreck. So, (laughs) right. As evidenced in our past episode. That's right. (laughs) Are you not entertained? Was that right? Was that from Gladiator? Are you not entertained? I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe somebody could comment. Let us know. Where what that line, yeah, that line yeah. that came that came from somewhere. There's so many different paths to sobriety. I got sober after reading Alan Carr's book and Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind. Alan Carr's book is called. I need to borrow that, by the way. The Easy Way to Control Alcohol, and then Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind, is kind of an update of that. And I've, I've had so many friends who've encouraged me and helped me. But, you know, everybody has their own path. Everybody has their own path. Everybody Mm -hmm. comes to this in their own time or not. And I don't judge any of you, and I'm not judging myself, my younger, less wise, less happy self. Mm -hmm. We're not judging anyone who's listening, but just know that if you're thinking about quitting, there's so many people who can help you with that. Who can help you with that. So should we get to our mocktail for today? I mean, yeah, our T-A-I-L mocktail. This is an oldie but a goodie. And I brought these decorative glasses. Can you grab those, Sunny? Sure. This has been popular since the 19th century as a restorative for people with a weak constitution. Oh, rickets. Yes, exactly. Scurvy. Rickets. Or rackets, because they actually used it at Wimbledon. Oh. This was the drink at Wimbledon. Oh, so it's kind of posh. Yeah, it's an it's called barley water. Oh. It's an old-fashioned barley water. And I don't have a clever name for that. If you can think of something, let's give it a good updated title at least. Mm. Um, but anyway, I made it ahead of time. You take a half a cup of pearl barley... You rinse it in a sieve under cold running water until the water is clear. Then you combine that with four cups of water and a little sugar to taste, like three tablespoons. And you bring that to a boil, stir it a little bit, and then let it simmer and then sit for a little bit. Then you just strain the water into another container And you can stir in some lemon juice. You can add a little more sugar if you like. And then you can chill it and then add a garnish like lemon or lime slice. So it's like a horchata for white people. (laughs) (laughs) For old white tennis players. Which (laughs) There's a lot of tennis players who are white. Not as much as there used to be. Yeah. You know? I mean... Only people who played tennis back when were white people. Well, yeah, because it's an elitist sport. But that's that's changed. Oh, now. yeah, that's for sure. Changed. I'm not big on all the players, but I know it's very colorful. Yeah, and all over the world. So anyway, barley water. Shall we? Shall we try it? Yeah. Here. Let's try. Let's put a little ice in the glass. Here you go. Thanks. And I'm pouring in the barley water from the. This lovely blue cobalt pitcher that I got. Don't you like it? Yes. Very cute. And? Yum. Yeah, I like it. It's very refreshing. 
It's very nice, and it's so old-fashioned and kind of quaint and sweet. Yes. I think that's a, a nice combination. Do we have stories? Oh, I have a historical tidbit. Do you want to go first? Or sure, you want me to sure. go first? I'll go first. Okay, go for it. We took a long walk a few weeks back into the cemetery in Oakland, where all the fancy rich folks of the early days of San Francisco are buried. What's that? I think it's called Oaklawn Cemetery. It's up at the very top of Piedmont Avenue. It's so, huge. Really? So it's like Colma? No, ne- definitely not, not as that big, big as Colma. Okay. But for, for the East Bay, they've got a pretty big chunk of land. But all the bigwigs are there. Levi's, Ghirardelli, <laughs> All, all the, the people that built San all Francisco. the big dead dead people and their mausoleums. You know, they're like, "I'm rich. I'm going to build a whole house." Right. <laughs> One that stood out that uh, he was a gold rush dentist. He actually made all of his money, you know, fixing all of the the gold panners' teeth because they were all messed up, and realized that all these people were his teeth were falling out because they were all wasted all the time. I wonder if it. What, just from drinking alcohol? Well, just poor dental hygiene and poor services, you know. I wonder if they also were, like, if they might have been drinking things that had, you know how alcohol and stuff in those days would have, like, turpentine and shit in it. Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so that would make they your teeth They didn't brush their out. teeth. Ooh. Anyway, he made a fortune, but at the same time, he really felt that he knew that drinking water... Only water was, you know, a guide to health and that it made people's teeth healthier and it made their lives better. And he knew that alcohol was a little bit of a ruin. So he was kind of a temperance pioneer. So like suggesting that or he felt like moderating your drinking might be a good idea. Yes. He was the first one in the West Coast to sort of lead a temperance movement. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he created a series of water fountains free water fountains on market street (laughs) that were for people to use at their whim fill up or stop by have a drink whatever but all the drunk (laughs) gold panners like kept tearing them down they were like we don't want to drink water we like booze we like beer and they would literally tear down the fountains yeah they thought water was so dumb Water is kind of dumb. I mean, I it just kind of, it's just water. Why drink water when you could have a beer? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the public fountains mm-hmm. and, and during this, our coronavirus week. You know, I don't know, have you ever been up to Mount Shasta City? No, I've driven past Shasta. You know, they have like public drinking fountain and then they have a place where the water comes out of the ground. Uh-huh. And people go there to fill up their jugs, big plastic containers. They fill it up with this spring water that's come from the center of Mount Shasta. Wow. And which really sounds like a lovely idea, except when you go there, there's like some hippie methamphetamine dude standing in the middle of the spring, right, with his dog filling up the jug. And I just think... No. That can't be good. Plus, I don't trust... I mean, Jardia is such an issue. Yeah, With well, natural water. Like, yeah. animals pee everywhere. And 
I wouldn't drink it unless it was treated. Well, I wonder if the miners were suspicious of the water coming out of the for free. Who knows? But anyway, he tried, he put up these water fountains in multiple cities across America, mm-hmm. all the way to the East Coast. Oh, and they were cool. all torn down. Oh. People just hated water back then. They thought oh. it was stupid. Wow. That's so sad. I know, but I thought it was some interesting history on a local guy who tried to do good and just was in the wrong time. Oh. He came up in the wrong time. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I love it that you went to the cemetery. I love going to cemeteries. It's really beautiful up there. People usually just walk their dogs up there. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very hilly too, which is rare in our flatlands. Over in the well, East Bay. East Bay isn't that well. You're well, I'm in the flatlands down on the island. Yes, right down on the island where ocean warming is gonna have some impact on oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Climate. Climate change. Oh, yeah. And our house is uh, in a liquefaction zone, so we're just ready to walk away if a big <laughs> one hits. For you who don't know what a liquefaction zone is, another word for that would be something like... Living I, on jello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I sell real estate here. No. <laughs> and uh, we always have to pay attention to... It's in a required disclosure if you're on liquefaction. Mm-hmm. And I saw it demonstrated once where someone made a toothpick house like set into jello. Oh. And then you would like pick up the tray with the wiggle slab it? of jello and just wiggle it and watch all the toothpicks fall over. Oh Good demonstration of how liquefaction works. I know. We're just we're prepared to just walk away from our house if the big one hits. We yeah. have places to go. <laughs> you can come over here. We can camp out at Dolores Park. No, no, thank you. That's what everybody did after the 06 earthquake and fire. Really? Yeah, that was a big, big hangout there. Are you talking about 1906 or 2006? Oh, 1906. Oh, okay. <laughs> 1906. All right, that, that makes me feel better. Yeah. I was like, did I sleep through a 2006 <laughs> earthquake? Well, I think you did because... It was 1989. No. The big one where the bridge collapsed? 1989. Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. I was doing my Spanish homework. My mom was in a hot tub. Oh, really? She was in a hot tub (laughs) in the marina Uh with her boyfriend on the top floor, and the water was sloshing, and she was drunk and having a great time with her boyfriend, and she was like, why is the water falling out of the hot tub? (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden, big, you know, puffs of smoke and things started to happen. And wow. luckily, she got to me right before the lines went dead on the landline. Well, she's like, are you safe? I'm safe. It took her three hours to get home because all the lights were out mm-hmm. to drive from the marina to Larkspur. Right. Three hours. Crazy. It was a wild night. It was a wild night. It was a wild day. I was ready to. Well, I have. A whole long, 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 long stories I could tell, and I'm not going to today. But I just remember thinking, I need to leave San Francisco. I have to get out of the city. You mean permanently? No, just before there were any more aftershocks. Do you remember? There were a lot of aftershocks, and it was kind of upsetting because you didn't know how long. Was this an aftershock, or was the last thing a pre-shock? Yeah. Right? Like, that 
what was it, 17 seconds? Mm-hmm. The whole thing was 17 seconds. Yeah. To me, it seemed like... Five hours. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, yes. But then one thought, you know, in 1906, and we are, since we are here near Dolores Park, you know, we're just up from the golden fire hydrant that saved San Francisco. Oh. It's right, just two blocks there. It's no just idea. right there. I'll show you. Anyway, the one in 06 lasted for... A minute and a half or something? What? Like that. Yes. Ooh, scary. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. All right. The other ones seem to go on forever. I'll tell my story. Oh, fun. Are you ready? And my story, well, I was living up in Sun Valley, Idaho. Mm-hmm. I lived there for about five years in my 20s. And one reason that I knew... When Loma Prieta happened here in 1989, I recognized it immediately. One reason is that I had gone through an earthquake up in Idaho. It was like in the early 80s, and it was had been the biggest earthquake on in the continental U.S. in like 80 years or something. Who it was knew a they big had one. them that far up? Like our neighbor's woodpile fell over. Ooh. But all of our neighbor's woodpiles fell over. But anyway, that's why I knew that Loma Prieta was an earthquake, not somebody trying to... What were you doing in Sun Valley? Were you like a ski mistress or... Yeah, I went there to be a ski bunny and then work and wait cocktails. But I ended up working for the local newspaper and then I... But I was working for a caterer. So I was working for this caterer and all of my friends were bartenders, waiters, busboys, maybe occasional ski lift operator. and. There was a lot of partying going on. I mean, not like glamorous Aspen celebrities parties, but the Mm -hmm. people who worked in the restaurant parties, which were pretty hardcore. And anyway, so it was Thanksgiving and I had the job that evening to deliver fresh made pies Mm. to a client who lived on the golf course up in Sun Valley and then stay to warm up prepare and serve the Thanksgiving meal for them. So deliver the pies, the turkey and everything was already at the house. And all I had to do was show up and do it. So we decided, uh, my boyfriend and I, that we could have a Thanksgiving gathering because I didn't have to go to work until like six o'clock at night. So I decided, you know, I've got the whole day and this will be fun to have some friends over. And I am going to just really moderate my behavior. Yeah. I decided I'll have one glass of wine, although I know that that meant I could have three, right? Yeah. But I'll just have one glass of wine and I'll drink early so that then by six o'clock I'll be completely sober Mm -hmm. and able to do my job. Well, it started snowing that morning and... It really started dumping. I mean, before our friend showed up, which was around lunchtime, there must have been a foot. And you were expected to cook like the full like five-course meal well, and then go to work? No, everybody was contributing. Oh, okay. Right. I think I was in charge of the turkey. In fact, I know I was in charge of the turkey because later on I was so inebriated. Not only could I not figure out how to make the gravy... I didn't know which pan to put the gravy in. Like, I couldn't even find the pan. I was so drunk. And probably a little marijuana was going on, too. But I think when it started snowing, then it was like, oh, snow day. Some psychology kicked in Mm -hmm. where that just meant I could 
party a little more. Like I didn't have to moderate quite so much because yeah. it was snowing. Yeah. Right. But you still had to make your delivery. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> anyway. And uh, so anyway, we had Bloody Marys and then wine. And the next thing I know, it's time to go to work. Uh-uh. And first we had to help push all of our friends' cars down the road to get them started in the snow. So we're all in the like sweaty and it's cold and you're sweaty from oh. pushing the cars. And then I got the pies into the car and I was pretty inebriated. My boyfriend drove. So we drive through the snow. It's coming down really hard. And by the time we got to this house on the fairways, I knew I had a good excuse. So I just said, here are your pies. But it's snowing so hard. There's no way that I can should can safely stay to serve your dinner. And I remember mad. Oh yeah, she looked she was bummed. Like this was not part of her plan for the night, right? To have to serve the dinner herself. And you know, in my mind it was like, oh it's snowing. They're gonna have more fun because I'm not here. It'll be more fun for them if I don't stay. And at least they have the pies. That's what it was like in my mind. But yeah, I know for sure because my boss told me later that you get fired. No, I didn't get fired because it was hard to find good help. And in those days, it wasn't that I wasn't, I wasn't the best help, but I was pretty good help, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a little out of character for yeah. me to do something like that. I would show up hungover to work, like to cook. Yeah. But not to interface with the public. I was a waitress for a quick minute. And I was probably the worst waitress that ever lived. <laughs> Why? I just couldn't ever remember things and I wouldn't write them down. And <laughs> I just uh, was like, what? I just felt forgetful <laughs> in general. Oh, you're so sweet, though. Yeah. I'm sure people thought when that's I'm okay. When I waitressed in England, though, my boss would always put me at the tables with, like, the famous people that would mm-hmm. come in. Like, mm-hmm. we had a couple, like, famous football players and actors that I didn't know them from Adam. So they would always be like, send Sunny over there. <laughs> so I'd just be like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and they'd and say, I wouldn't be, like, pawing over them, you know? They'd say, I want a club sandwich with everything. And you'd come <laughs> back with, like, tuna salad. <laughs> always mess it up i mean i is but because you're so kind and sunny and sweet Mm -hmm. i'm sure it was fine depends on the person i was surly and resentful (laughs) here i am working at a party i'm serving people or bartending and thinking what are all you people doing here having fun while i'm working (laughs) right you wanted to sit down next to them you were the help i would never do that but no i just wanted them to leave give me their money and leave (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and tip me and get out of here i worked at a bar for a quick minute and they made us keep the change on our belt and uh, (laughs) i'm not sure if i told you this but i really am bad at math (laughs) and half the time i would bring their drinks they'd give me the money and i would go how much do i owe you back Can you help me with this? Do I owe you anything? Is this a tip? I'll I'll keep your change. I literally had to ask them every time. 
How much do I owe you? You probably did pretty well. I probably did. You probably did. Well, when I was cocktail waitressing in Sun Valley Mm -hmm. at the Ram Bar with the Apre Ski Show, people would get so shit-faced. I mean, like, so totally blotto that they would forget to tip. So I would usually just like hold up a $5 bill and say, you want me to keep this, right? And they'd be like, (laughs) and I'd just tuck it in my pocket. I mean, I they were not, you know, who cares, right? I made pretty good money. Service is tough. I think when you work in service, it really like, it molds you to be a better human being in general, more patient. Or it makes you even more surly and resentful really yeah i I don't know know. Ah, noogies i think we just said i don't know at the same time (laughs) well anyway i think that the moral of the story for me is that moderation for me never worked and it doesn't work for a lot of people Mm -hmm. the very act of promising yourself that you're going to only have one or only have two or only drink on Wednesdays or only drink on weekends yeah, just sets you up to not moderate. Yeah. To say the minute, especially the minute you've got it on board, you're just like, oh, who cares? Yeah, I may as well have you, another one. Of course. Yeah. So moderation can be bad. Resource of the week is, again, with Annie Grace. She has a webinar that's available on YouTube called Six Things Science Says About Moderation. Mm. And it's really helpful. I think if you're someone who, like me, has found it difficult to stick with cutting down, Mm -hmm. this would be a good thing to check out. So we'll put the link on our website. Cool. For all of I'll you. check it out. I just know that I followed my doctor's orders with two drinks and a water. And that that's what sort of started me on my path of moderating. Good. And I kept to it. And then the two drinks just started to make me feel like garbage too. So I just moderated down to nothing. All right. <laughs> Moderating to nothing. I would moderate up. Because I would before it was, you know, zero drinks or, or seven. Really nothing in between for me. Yeah. I think, yeah, for me it was always, I'm only going to have one, but then it would be three. or Yeah. And, and, you know, I have one girlfriend of mine who, whenever we'd get together, my husband, my then husband and her husband and the two of us, Mm-hmm. Neither one of them drank, really. And but somehow she and I were always counting beers or counting how many glasses of wine we'd had. And yeah. I remember one day she looked at me and said, you know, they're not even they're not noticing how much they drink. No. Right? But boy, we sure are. Yeah. Because we both had a problem. Yeah. We both had a problem with it. Did and, your friend end up stopping or she's you know, I don't know what her status is now, but I would imagine that she's probably cut way down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember on the millennium. Yeah. For us, that was like the millennium. And we were drinking uh, millennium Budweiser's on New Year's Eve. Or Wow. And That's when my husband and I stopped smoking wow. socially. Congratulations. We weren't real smokers, but on the millennium, we were like, no more cigarettes. And we stuck to it. Good for you. That's another habit that's worth breaking. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
fun. Well, that's it for today. Yes, and we always welcome your mocktails and questions. Follow us on Instagram at the Mocktail Hour. Facebook page is the Mocktail Hour as well. And uh, we're still working on getting our website up and ready. But I, I think by the time you're hearing this, it'll be up. Yeah. And that's Mocktail, M-O-C-K-T-A-L-E. Yes. And our email address is lastcall at mocktailhour.com. That's correct. Yay! Yay! Thanks for coming. See you soon. Bye! Bye!